Okay, hit it, Dan. This is Live from the Table, recorded at the world-famous Comedy Cellar in New York's Greenwich Village, coming at you on Sirius XM 99 Raw Dog, and on the Laugh Button Podcast Network, Dan Natterman here, uh, with Noam Dorman, host of the aforementioned world-famous Comedy Cellar. We also have Periel Ashenbrand. Periel is our producer, and over the course of time has evolved into an on-air personality, and there's really no putting the genie back in the bottle at this point. <laughs> so, uh, welcome, Periel. We also have with us Sean Patton. Sean Patton is a comedy seller regular. He's a comedian. One of the best. Oh, thank you. He is, uh, he is uh, here, uh, I don't know. Several I'm here. Nights, several nights a week as yes. a, at performing stand-up. And we have with us also... Michael Tracy, Thank you. which World sounds like comedian. Well, Michael Tracy sounds like a showbiz name almost, or it does. It could be my like hiding, hiding a Jewish that. name. Sorry, go <laughs> Michael. Uh, my, my parents never informed me that it was a showbiz. It has that feel to it, but John, but that, John Stewartish. That yeah, yeah, but yeah. that is your real name. It is my real name. Yes, Michael Tracy. Irish Tra- vintage. Irish vintage. Good, good. Because Although everybody assumes I'm Jewish. Well, why would they assume that? You don't necessarily look Jewish. Mannerisms, I guess. I what, what do you mean? Look. My Jewish? whole aura. Or, uh, yeah, you have a Jewy aura. I don't see it, but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, my, my Judah perhaps is not, uh, but but it is good because you're not. So anyway, he's a journalist for Substack, has written for the Wall Street Journal, the New York Daily News, The Nation, The Spectator, and other publications. We welcome Michael Tracy to the show, making his debut. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. On Live from the Table. Hope I can demonstrate my quick wit. You don't have to. Okay. <laughs> so before I'll we- awkwardly try. But That's before, we get, before we get to his uh, expertise, you want to talk about the, the week in comedy? Dan? Well, first of all, I want to just talk briefly to our dear friend, Sean Patton, who I believe has never done our podcast before. Uh, actually, au contraire, I did it when it was actually at the actual table. Yeah. That's correct. We used to do it downstairs. Yeah, there's dirt wall. I wish we'd go back downstairs. Yeah. Now the pandemic's over. Why can't we go back downstairs? We can. We can. You have to make that call. We have to get the video yeah. set up. Yeah, we have yeah. to get the video yeah. set I, up. I, I prefer it downstairs. It was me and uh, Norman were the guests. It was a while. It was a while back though. Just it a couple of Louisiana. Just a couple of southern. Couple of Cajuns. Southern Southern Nutria boys. I've 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 quit smoking weed. I know. I know. What a what a dumbass. <laughs> so stupid. What a dumb choice. All these extra hours of mental clarity that I have, I hate them. They suck. I mean, it's sad for me knowing that I will never again watch all five Air Bud films back to back ever again. Yeah, I, I will never again make a tuna mac cake and eat it all by myself. Those days are gone for me. I will never again go to a party, notice how many people are wearing hats, and get weirded out by that, and just leave without saying anything to anyone. The thing is, like, my, I can't smoke weed anymore. My brain, my brain has become like a jerk, like an older brother just picks on me all the time. So when I would get high, my brain would be like, seriously, you just smoked weed? Fine. Now guess who's going to be terrified of circles for the next four and a half hours? <laughs> Uh, Sean, um, uh, yeah. is there anything that you have uh, upcoming that's of significance you'd like to yeah. discuss? I think uh, I, I shot I shot my first ever special in February in New Orleans, and we just finished uh, we just finished all the all the post of it all, and uh, we're, we're it's, I, I'm hoping it comes out by 
August. I don't know. I don't know. We're shopping it around. I I know very little about it except that it's premiering this year. It's my first. And ever. so so if you yeah. fail to sell it. Well, you put it on YouTube like so many people have and, and have done so with great success. Well, we'll, we'll see. Because, I mean, the thing about YouTube is people think, you know, for every super successful, for, every, for the three or four people who've actually had mega hits on YouTube, there's dozens who have, you know, barely any, any movement at all. Yeah, it's like it, 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 YouTube is still YouTube. It's still an algorithm. It's like, like Norman, speaking of someone who's massively successful on YouTube, he already had a huge YouTube following. Before he put his special on, people don't realize that he didn't just put it out there and then eight million people saw it. He already had like a pretty huge following, and I am, um, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. At this. <laughs> I'm, I'm god fucking awful at what, the social What about media you know? Because I, I was, I was I'm trying. I'm trying. I need to maybe get on that. Maybe I don't. Um, people are having success with it, and yeah, if you say sense. for every success story, there's there's several people that aren't successful, but. Yeah. Uh, people are doing it's like for every Mike Tyson is the only people out there who yeah, are di- all dying the- at 55 yeah. with brain damage. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, but uh, Instagram and TikTok people are putting up clips of their stand up or putting yeah. up clips of other stuff. I'm trying. I'm getting better at it. But like, yeah, people think nowadays like you just got to put on YouTube and bam. It's like no, there's still a lot involved. Now, if I don't sell it to a streaming service, I will. I don't will say fi- that. You're going to sell it. I will figure it out. I will, you're yes. going to sell it. I'll but, figure it out. John, I, you, you, I, you, I love your, the special. Your advantage is yeah. that you're, you know, you're, you have a certain status among comedians. So at a minimum, you'll get other comedians to, to recommend your special. If it's I'd on like, YouTube, well, I assume that Norman will say, you know, on, he'll tweet out on Instagram. I well, I think that they all will. Mm. Do you? Are you? Do you have any famous friends that can help you out? Amy Schumer. I, don't <laughs> I got. Know. I got you guys. No. But, uh, no uh, um, why can't people like your friends, like Norm or something, uh, set it up so that when their when their video finishes, the next on the autoplay goes directly? Oh, that's to you. That's, that's, that's in YouTube's that's, in charge. That's the that. algorithm. Yeah, that's YouTube's in charge. But, but well, no, you can you can set it up as a playlist. You you have some control over that in some way. I think. I, I think probably. maybe, but I mean, I I also know that like. While it's awesome when you have friends who succeed and, and when they want to do things for you, that's great. But everyone's kind of it's it's become like every man for itself, every, you know, every comedian for themselves, even the successful ones. You like, can definitely put a link yeah. at the end of it. Like, let's yes. grab and say, please, after this, why don't you watch my friend Sean Patton? And then they can they have like 30. But seconds I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, no, you don't m- most successful that. people at least had some helping hand along the way. I don't think... I sure. I mean, I've had, you know, I've had, like, Ari is a sweetheart and has done so much for me, and I really, I'm thankful for him. And Norman's did... I mean, like, I've had... I've got friends who will help, but, like, you know, I, I at a certain point, you got to find a way to do it on your own. And, well, like, it's hard, but... Ugh. We got to make I'll, sure I'll that happily we, promote can, it if it aligns with every aspect of my political <laughs> worldview. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It doesn't challenge totally, any of my... Totally totally where, where are you from? New Jersey. A very pro-New Jersey set. <laughs> I just want to say, um, <clears throat> Dan hates when I say things like this because he's very insecure, but the truth is <laughs> that you are one of the, the, the short list of comedians that I believe are actually gifted. Oh, well. Like, actually a gifted, natural, born, head and shoulders talent above... Uh, many other comedians. I, you know, I've always felt that way about. Well, you. I, I, I'm not insecure unless by by unless you're implying that I am not on that short list. <laughs> then I might be upset. I, I, you can perform in French. That's impressive to me. Yeah, uh, he has that. Yeah. So so no. And and you're a guy who's just naturally talented and funny. It comes easy to you, like swimming. 
and and maybe and, and maybe that works against you in a certain way because it's hard for you to become like a a honer and a, a, a strategist and you know like because because you have so much that you can say so many ideas. I remember when you first started the cellar, it's like uh. do that set that I saw in Montreal, and then you yeah. went on stage and did six other things. I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, thank you. That's very flattering. I, but mean, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I mean, I absolutely and thank mean you. It. That means that means a galaxy coming from you, man. I mean, that, that's awesome. Thank you. But there is like, I wish I was better at you know. I I just entered the world of comedy at the at a weird time when I put too much faith in management and representation, and you know, agents and people who said you know they that they, we looked, we got this and they didn't and they. I mean, I'm not blaming them entirely. There was a lot on me as well. But sounds a little anti-Semitic. Well, that. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 anti-industry. I'll admit that. Like, uh, but what's your special called? Number one. Nice. Now the word special. It yeah. used to be called a special because like HBO would have their specials where it wasn't a series. It would just be a one-off. A one-off. And so it was yeah. called a special. But now the word special uh, has sort of taken on a, a different meaning. Special just means basically any forty-five minutes to one hour of comedy. Right. 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 Is if a it's not if it's if it's longer than fifteen minutes because I've seen people putting out half-hour specials now. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and, and and like people say that they'll be like, I have a half hour special coming out on a, on Comedy Central. I'm like, more great, pre, great for you. But I remember when that was just called a half hour. You know, well, I think like, it was called a half hour or special. Let's let's get let's get. Or on. Do you want to talk about Chappelle? Let's t- let's talk yeah. about well, let's talk about something else. Yeah, this well, Chappelle. Ch- Chappelle. Well, Chappelle. For or against? So what 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 did the uh, Chappelle thing make you think about, Dan? Or, or anybody. I mean, not much of anything. I mean, like, uh, people are making this in, like, this is a pattern. Like, okay, first Chris Rock was hit, and then Chappelle was hit. And I think Howie Mandel said something. He tweeted something about this being the end of comedy or something. I, That's, uh, he's, he, he's catastrophizing. I you mean, know, Ch- but, but, Chappelle, but, Chappelle, he's controversial. It's going to happen, but it's not going to happen again. I doubt it'll, I bet it'll never happen to him again. Did you hear what he said what? after he got attacked? No, uh, what, there was a trans man? Yeah, I mean, he's a great genius, but even I could have come up with that. <laughs> have they speciously ascribed any kind of ideological motivation to his attacker yet, or is that uh, still... mental illness? Pure mental illness, okay. I believe. The guy's like a mentally ill SoundCloud rapper, I believe. Hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, it was like live. I'm pretty sure it was like living on the streets. Uh, he had a, apparently had a song called Dave Chappelle that had nothing to do at all, no reference of Dave Chappelle at all. Just he named it that for the clickbait. We have we have I mean we have a Has lot of SoundCloud blown up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is he huge now? So- Take note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So two things. So actually, I've been getting a lot of calls from the press um, oh, asking yeah. all kinds of questions. Like, is, are you having more security? Is this a trend? And blah blah blah. And and um, then I got a call today asking me if 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 uh, the famous comedians are walking around with bigger security details now, whatever it is. Which I didn't even want to answer. But um, I I don't think no. it's a trend. I don't even think that it's related to the Chris Rock thing in any. That, that was totally spontaneous, and I I, I do think it's yeah. it might be related to the general trend of um, violence in the face of people who feel uh, aggrieved in some way. But I don't even. But now that I'm finding out the guy's mentally ill. Well, also, like... Like, it has more to do with January 6th, right. in a way, than it does with Chris Rock slap. And people, like, the Chris <laughs> Rock slap, people, like, the, the, the thing about the Chris Rock slap is, let's all remember, it was Will Smith at the Oscar. It wasn't like a rando at a comedy club. It yeah. wasn't like a crazy right-wing person. It was a... Or left-wing person. Or left-wing person. It was a wingless... It was <laughs> a wingless easy. bird. Yeah. It was a... Yes, yes, yes. It's well, true, true. There's always a tendency yeah. to draw connections between... Events that are disparate, but yes. for narrative reasons, you yeah. want to have some kind of causal 
attachment well, to one another. Well, when when yeah. Chris Rock was struck at the Oscars by uh, Will Smith, by Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I use the use the passive voice. Um, there were people are saying this is this could be the beginning of. Because Will Smith was not punished for it, this will open the door. They were already expressing yeah. this notion that this is the beginning of something. Yeah. And uh, and me and and you and I know him. At, you know, we're speaking about it on the podcast. Then and th- didn't think that that was true. I still don't uh, think it's true. I don't think it's true either. I don't think. I just don't. I think because every think, now and again, comics do get attacked. This yeah. has been going on for. You know, my father said something to me on his deathbed that I don't remember what the context was. After he sold you the watch. <laughs> After he sold me the watch. And he and he, he says, you know, things are not always what they appear. I, and and for some reason, the way he said it, it always it always stayed with me. But it's really true. And so, for instance, just um, speaking of January sixth, remember this guy? Uh, was his name Sicknick, the 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 cop? Yeah. So they told us they told us his cop was killed. He got hit by first he was hit by a fire extinguisher. Oh, then he was yeah. spared with bear spray. And, and of course, it didn't seem hard to believe. Like he was a cop. It was January sixth. He's and next day he drops dead. Right. And people were calling him a murderer. But sure enough, they did an autopsy and they found out no, the guy died of uh, natural causes or, or something. Yeah. Un- so Timing. you know, so there are these coincidences, and you could go through a whole list of them. And it's just good to. Breathe and understand that you know two incidents a trend do not make. Well, you know, just for, for years oh, yeah. every president elected in the year zero uh, between 1840 and 1960 all died in office. And oh, I believe that. Well, no, it's true. <laughs> I did all die right, in that, office. That's but, meaningful. <laughs> but 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 everybody thought this was like the curse of Tecumseh because apparently. Uh, I think William Hen- uh, Henry. Ha- does it, uh, do you know about this? Your- William Henry Harrison. Was it William- yeah. he, like I think he went to war against. The well, uh, no, he he died only a couple months into office because he contracted a pneumonia or something. Pneumonia or something. I think the legend was that he he contracted it when he was delivering his inauguration he speech. Wearing a jacket. His true. mother told him to wear a but, jacket. But but yeah. the, the curse was supposed to be like an Indian American Indian curse. I think on ev- the, yeah. They said now every president will die in office. Um, every twenty <laughs> years on the year that if they're elected in a zero year. And oh, it, like nineties. Uh, okay, so, I, I yeah. So, uh, so uh, Harrison sixty was Lincoln died. Eighty was uh, whoever that was. Reagan. No, But every and uh, so Gar- the, Garfield. And, and 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 so when Reagan was elected, it was nineteen eighty, and people thought, well, he's going to die in office, and he never did. So anyway, but the point is, a string of coincidences is a lot longer than than Chappelle, Chris Rock. Yeah, these, these things happen. I I. But there is a trend. I mean, even the mentally ill thing. I mean, I tend to discount mm-hmm. like this guy, uh, uh, Dylan curse, Roof. You know, unless the killed. curse was only supposed to last until 1960. <laughs> Dylan Roof was the the crazy the white guy who shot up yeah. the church in uh, was it Charles, Charleston? Charleston. Yeah. Charleston. Um, anyways, he is clearly mentally ill. On the other hand, it, it is fair to say that our mentally ill people, America's do different things than other mentally other countries. So, so somehow they, they do take in the atmosphere and they are able to still reflect it in their own mentally ill kind of way, maybe. I don't see if you have something you want to say. Well, Dylan Roof did have a manifesto where he laid out explicitly his views. I think he was yeah. trying to prophesy some sort of race war and he actually had a developed set of views that he expressed and how that intersected with his purported mental illness. Yeah. You know, that's always sort of an ambiguous dynamic that it's hard to really calibrate You know, how much of the motivation was his mental illness, how much of it was genuine political conviction. It's usually some kind of combination of the two that you can't really isolate into anything that's 
tangible. But that, you know, in some ways, these acts of horrific violence, whether it's a mass murder or even just attacking somebody on stage, it is kind of an act of madness because it's not going to end up well for you. Most likely you're going to face legal repercussions or maybe even be physically attacked back in retaliation. So it's kind of a mad act unto itself. The, 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 open question is how much do you situate that into the worldview that that person expresses um, and it's, it's not an easy question and violence is woven into our the, the merit the, the dna of our the tapestry of america oh, of humans oh, of yeah. humans of humans yeah. but I, right but you have access to guns yeah. here in a way that's pretty unusual so you can be a racist like dylan roof and be mentally ill and then also have access to these firearms yeah. or who who is the guy who killed all those kids in parkland was that was that what it was the first grade classroom I Oh, I don't. Uh, I don't. What uh, Parkland was the high school in? Sorry, not Florida. Parkland. What um, you know, Adam in, in Connecticut, New Newtown. That was Adam Lanza. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually yeah. covered that. Yes. shooting. Shit. Yes, and uh, you know went to the funerals of the you know the, the kids lying there in the open. Alex casket. Jones it was said pretty that's what uh, Alex Jones jarring. Yeah, <laughs> little roof off of. Right, it didn't really happen. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I tended not to believe yeah. his yeah. statements about that when I physically saw the yeah. corpses of the children lying. No, yeah. they were all wax dolls, right? But, not, <laughs> the thing? but like that guy was mentally ill too, right? It's like okay, so what? So you're mentally ill and you have access to these guns and you just killed well, you're like, mentally, oh. and you're also capable of being a copycat, uh, even though you're mentally ill. Right. And having ideas put in your head based on things that you see, which you might not have thought of otherwise. But on the other hand, you are mentally ill. So, you know, it's it's complicated stuff. Uh, and what does mentally ill mean? Because Adam Lanza was competent enough that he could orchestrate this fairly elaborate plan totally. to you know, kill his mother, get the arms, 100%. enter yeah. the school at a particular time and kill actually a large number of kids and staff so you know if he had some sort of developmental disorder that made him socially isolated is that mentally ill in the same way that you know a schizophrenic is mentally ill where they're basically <coughs> incapacitated and need to have right, constant right. care i mean I it's, totally it's a, it's a broad you. spectrum yeah. of yeah. ailments so. i think that's a really important S- distinction so now the sure. guy who attacked Chappelle. so yeah. the few things i didn't realize so they say he carried a replica of a of a of a gun, it was which a was gun really that a knife. Was a knife. <laughs> but, it, but what they didn't do a good job of saying it was actually in his pocket and not opened. I thought at first that he wielded oh, this shit, weapon yeah, at yeah. Dave, but that's apparently not the case. No. Um, so it, I don't know if he yeah. went there with the intention of and I, and truly hurting Dave. Was it an attempted? First, I thought it was like an attempted murder or something. Oh, but yeah. It seems less. But like has he spoken was. about is it was it because of Dave's stance on trans? I don't believe so. I don't, I no, don't I think, think it was, Dave no. was just making a joke. I think, yeah, I think he definitely. When you watch the clip of him going, it was, a, it was it's he was clearly in jest when he said it was a trans man. Yeah. It was a moment of like. And my mother did say to me, "Be careful," but that's my mother. She also years ago told me not to play Dungeons and Dragons because she read that the kids were getting too into it and they started to act it out. I mean, also, and also she's a, she's a, <laughs> I mean, also, you can look up. There's a clip of Paulie Shore getting attacked on stage like 15 years ago by like a redneck. In I don't, I'm not sure where, but a big ass motherfucker in a cowboy hat who actually walks up on stage like slowly you, and takes a swing at him. It's like like you pointed out earlier. This is some shit that's happened before. And Chappelle was in the. I, I'm with you. It's coincidence. Wrong place. Wrong time. Well, how big is the Hollywood Bowl? 10,000 people? I remember when uh, Dimebag Daryl was shot and killed on shot, stage. Remember shot, that from Pantera? Stage. From Pantera, yes. Yeah. And, I, you know, yeah. I was, I think, only maybe 15 or 16 at the time. But I remember, like, a minor 
frenzy around, you know, is this going to be the new normal for musicians? Are we going to have to radically change our security procedures? And I don't really recall a spate of subsequent random well, killings like that. So sometimes it's just, you know, in life, there are just if John acts Lennon of violence got, that you can't explain. If yeah. John Lennon had been shot the day after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, everybody would <laughs> you think it's because of the, the slap? Anyway. Who um, did it? Yeah. Are you allowed to say redneck because you're from the South? Please tell me. Please <laughs> tell me redneck. Please tell me redneck's not off the table. Just I just kidding. heard homeless person apparently is wrong now. Yes, like, unhoused. I, I, <laughs> well, you're you're a champion of all those things. This yeah. is why I side with Thanos. I, I use the word killing today to describe what happens uh, during an abortion. And she I think said, you said I killing a baby. If uh, no, no, you, be... no, I didn't say killing. I might. I said killing the fetus, and you and you got mad at the word killing and i'm like okay well what word would you have me use and she couldn't come up with one no i said that that's loaded language and right i said so you're so talking about abortion i was so kidding about I, redneck fine i'm trying okay to, i get it what word should i use abortion terminate 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 I, I said terminate but dan thought terminate was, was worse that sounds worse to me it's not because <laughs> that sounds like nazi sh final solution shit yeah it's very clinical terminated you know it's, it's very terminate like, the it's pregnancy very, though it's is very kind of detached a standard term though is yes, yes that is a standard yeah. term. i've just been using the phrase recall like, unfortunately, it's a recall. <laughs> They're being recalled to heaven. It, you know. it terminates the pregnancy, but it, but it terminates. We're discussing it, at what month does it become alive? Whatever. It, it, the point is that I think people, this, there, words do have connotations. I understand that. And words can sound harsh. Sure. But generally, when somebody brings these things up, they're trying to derail you from the point you're trying to make. And, that, and that's why I object to it. It's, it's, it's just a way of preventing you from getting to the heart of the matter of what you want to talk about. That's always the time that you use it. And oh, will you <laughs> stop I it? I would, like to, I, wish, I would like to know what would be the alternative phrase for redneck. Oh, redneck I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Racist. She'd be, she'd be happy with that. Racist. <laughs> um, oh, good old boy. No. <laughs> you I mean, do away with the fetus. Squelch it. Yeah. Something. <laughs> well, Noam came up with a perfect solution. What was that? The, the final solution? What no, was that you, you have the baby, but then you... Oh, don't start with that. <laughs> She was comparing it to capital punishment, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, okay, maybe we should just have the baby and put in life life without parole. Ah. <laughs> this sounds like a freshman uh, dorm conversation. That's like, lots of bong hits. That is exactly, Ugh. that's exactly what Periol is like. It's exactly, as a matter of fact, I've had these conversations when I was a You know what, that is so easy <laughs> to just like dismiss it like that, but that's fine. You guys can move on to Ukraine. But she's doing a character. That's not really. Uh. <laughs> hey, I'm in favor of late night bong hit riddled. Yeah. Philosophical discussions that go absolutely nowhere. So you didn't happen to come to our um, Village Underground debate on the Russia uh, causation of the Russia, whether NATO was responsible for Putin invading Ukraine. Did you come to that debate? I didn't. I was abroad at the time. I would have come. This was a debacle. Was it? Was uh, it? Because... Who were the participants again? I, I don't remember. I, I, Peter Beiner was hosting. Peter Beiner, uh, oh, right, Julia yeah. Yaffe, uh, and... Um, some people I don't know. You would know their names because you're because these are all people known in it, but I didn't know the name. Well, the but, involvement of Julia Yaffe doesn't su make <laughs> not surprising. She, she was <laughs> fine. No, look, okay. she, she was great, and but she's on one side of it. But yeah. the problem was, I, I I've been very intrigued by this Mearsheimer realist yeah. argument. Whether you agree with it, don't agree with it, it's it's it deserves to be listened to and thought through. Maybe it's partially true. Whatever it is. It's reasonable. So, so yeah, yeah. So I I commissioned this this debate or or whatever the word is, and um, and they came back to me after when it's like day before. 
with four people, none of whom believed in that argument. Right. Two of whom said, well, we can do it, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to do it as an academic exercise. I said, well, that's never going to work. No one's going to. So, so, so predictably, the debate turned into basically four people agreeing with one another. Uh, agreeing with one another. Or if there was disagreement, it was just to how much worse Russia was. Like, no, like, right, right, right. But you, um, you seem to be a pretty, uh, pretty convinced by this um, Mearsheimer argument in general that United States or NATO are quite responsible for Putin invading Ukraine, and that, um, and it was much of it was predictable in some way, correct? Or you, you, you. Well, I, first of all, I think Mearsheimer is persuasive. By and large, in his so you're gonna have to tell listeners who yeah. don't know. Um, John Mearsheimer is a professor of international relations at the University of Chicago, a well-known figure in the field. Often delves into controversies, but he has enough of a stature. His eyes that, just <laughs> communicated to me. You know what he said about the Jews. Well, <laughs> he, well, he, he did write with Stephen yeah. Walt, who was a professor yeah. at Harvard, a book on the uh, Israel lobby in 2007, which, as you might imagine, didn't go over well in some quarters. <laughs> yes, but you my know, it was table. <laughs> and you know, he was denounced and called every name in the book, and you know, but. Because of his pedigree uh, and that of Walt, he was able to at least get a hearing for the argument, whereas a lot of other people wouldn't. Um, and you know, he, he's even discussed this in hindsight many years later and said that none of his colleagues would really come out and publicly defend him, even if they maybe privately agreed with some of the points that he was making. Um, and basically, his, his, the idea was that, that just that a Israel, pro-Israel lobby exists and influences American policy. And that was large. We, we basically talk about that other yeah, yeah. I, I reread it recently, and I reread uh, Dershowitz's very long rebuttal. Yeah, yeah. I thought Dershowitz... Whatever, but but anyway, um, but that's, that's I don't want to call the guy anti-Semitic. But tell him about Russia. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and, and so he also has this fairly distinct view in his field in the American public life writ large on Russia and Ukraine and the role of NATO, you know, it, as it interacts between those two. And um, since the 2014 coup or change of government or putsch or revolution or whatever you want to call it, when the Incumbent President Yanukovych was essentially ousted from power, had to flee, and this more pro-American government took power. Um, so you know that Perio, there, there was a, there was a, I mean, coup is a is a loaded word, but there was a different leader in in Ukraine. He was elected leader, and then he was chased out and replaced by the guy who was more friendly to the West. Yes, and there was some evidence. There was a phone call by. A, Newland, um, who's back in power now, or yeah. now in the State Department, where the yeah. Americans seem to be discussing, you know, kind of the lineup of who would take over. Uh, there's no more evidence than that that I've seen that we were involved. But go ahead. So this is, so this was just, this is a, this is an important event in the minds of the people who feel that we caused this because it, it, from Putin's point of view, it was like America's fucking around in the backyard, getting rid of the democratically elected people who were who are sympathetic to a relationship with Russia. And what would we do if this happened in Mexico? And what year is this? Uh, 2014. This is 2014. Anyway, so after that event, which, you know, it, there's, it's controversial as to whether you describe it as a coup or a revolution or whatnot. But what, that change of after that change of government, Mearsheimer was publicly saying that if the U.S. were to intensify its military involvement in Ukraine, this would eventually antagonize Russia to the point of provoking a larger conflict. And you can go find a column, an op-ed that Mearsheimer wrote in the New York Times, I believe in 2015, where he, he, the headline was something to the effect of don't arm Ukraine. 
<laughs> because it's going to spiral out of control, and this is regarded as an existential issue for that Putin we're leading and the Ukraine down the primrose path, and Ukraine's going to right. price. And you know that was borne out really, and because Mearsheimer's advice was not heeded over the course of the Obama, Trump, and Biden administrations. The U.S. military and NATO more and more integrated with Ukraine, basically turned Ukraine into a de facto outpost of the U.S. military where they're constantly holding exercises on Ukrainian territory. They're fostering what they call interoperability. So this seamless dynamic between the U.S. military command and the Ukrainian command, which we're actually seeing now in effect over the course of the war with this intelligence sharing arrangement where it was just revealed last week through The New York Times uh, reporting on these leaks that... Amer the American officials basically provided the intelligence that led to the sinking of this flagship Russian and, warship. And to help kill the Russian generals. And to kill generals, yeah. Which is so, crazy that the Times reported that and it's crazy that it was leaked. Yeah. So basically, Mearsheimer's fundamental view is that the West, and na namely the U.S., is more to blame for the conflict in Ukraine than Putin. I don't know if I would necessarily distill it quite that crisply because... Putin on his own agency decided to launch a preemptive invasion in February, which you know has to be kind of analyzed on its own terms. But in terms of the broader dynamics, which kind of led to this tinderbox situation where there's this kind of showdown between the West and uh, Putin, um, clearly the U.S. actively sought to take a number of actions to, that they knew would aggravate Putin to the point that maybe he would take a rash action such as this. The current CIA director, William Burns, back when he was ambassador to Russia in 2008, wrote basically uh, memos back to the State Department saying that Putin views this as a red line, right? Putin, Putin views expansion of NATO into Ukraine as a red line and will act accordingly. Um, so it was well known uh, for years that uh, if the U.S. were to pursue this path by, you know, militarizing NATO, promising it, uh, militarizing Ukraine rather, promising it that it would ascend to NATO, eventually that it would erupt uh, potentially and lead to something like we're seeing unfold today. So I think, you know, the broad thrust of Mearsheimer's an analysis is probably accurate, and but he receives an enormous amount of consternation because he's accused of apologizing for Putin, right, or defending Russia, or not admitting that Russia is fundamentally evil and but condemning it, him forcefully it, it, enough, etc. Isn't et this the same argument when people say, uh, you know, say, well, you don't go to a bad neighborhood, and they say, well, now you're blaming the victim. It's not, a, it, it's not excusing the perpetrator, but explaining, you know, one of the causes. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to that analogy, although <laughs> I have, when I make kind of variations of this argument, or at least make points that are associated with this general worldview that's so associated with Mearsheimer, one thing I'll get accused of is, you know, blaming the woman for wearing a short skirt if she's, you know, sexually assaulted or something. And I don't think you can really reduce these complex geopolitical dynamics into, like, interpersonal interactions in a way that really but holds I'm just much trying to like, You know, just to highlight the difference between explaining why something happened and assigning blame. Yeah. I you know, you can say that the United States had a role to play without taking any blame away from, from the Russians. Right. I mean, you could you could yeah. also do something as simple as just look at what Putin has said. I mean, even this is now considered taboo to just sort of listen to his words without endorsing them or uh, accepting that they're justification for the invasion. But if you look at what he said in his speech on February 24th when the invasion was launched, the, the he devoted paragraphs to this issue of NATO expansion, exactly as Mearsheimer foresaw. 
and how he views that as justification for Russia to launch this attack because they view it as a hostile military alliance encircling them. And it is true that NATO expanded over the years. And even, you know, people call Trump this colluder with Putin and that he is conspiratorially kind of in hoc to Putin and had all these dodgy arrangements, supposedly. You know, that sort of dominated Trump's term in terms of the popular perception of him, at least by, by way of the media. But NATO actually expanded under Trump's presidency twice and Trump signed off on it and that's the number one thing or one of the main things that Putin uh, objected to so Trump on a policy level didn't actually you know coddle up to Putin whatever he might have said rhetorically and so you know it's gotten to this point where you know in 2021 uh, the Biden administration signed a formal arrangement a formal security arrangement with Ukraine that c contained this assurance that Ukraine would able to be one, one day uh, join uh, NATO. And that was first birthed under George Bush in, in 2008. Mm -hmm. And uh, Biden continued that into 2021. And, you know, at, at a certain point, you know, Putin calculated, I guess, that he had to take this action. Again, it doesn't justify it. It doesn't excuse it. It's, no. But it's, it's helpful to at least explain it with yeah. some degree of impartiality well, so questions. you can understand why things have unfolded. In what, what does it say about, I mean, I, what does it say about the, the current state of, um, you know, the media and all that, that, that everybody is not fully aware of this point of view? Like, why are the news networks, they, they will not cover it. They, on their roundtables, they don't have somebody like you making those arguments. You know, you don't have to agree with it, but this is the others. It's, it's, a, it's a Pat Buchanan-type view. They don't like Pat Buchanan-type Because people views. are fucking stupid. Yeah. We got social media. We got distractions. Education has become less important. People are getting, you look at, look, man, I mean, I'm, I'm in my, I'm 43 I look back 20 years, like, people have gotten fucking stupider. Yeah. The trend is stupid now. It's cool to be stupid. It's not, it's not fun to be educated or well-versed in politics or even in language. <clears throat> you know, you're dropping words just in this conversation that I'm like, man, I haven't heard people on the street <laughs> say some of this in years. And it's not, they don't want you to pay attention. They don't want... Well, is it that, that yeah. sort of, uh, when it's, people it's, refer to the, the elite, yeah. it's sort of, uh, you know... Maybe right, right. You're, you're alluding to this sort of uh, right. revolt against the quote-unquote elite. Right, that right, the right. The guy that, that... I don't want to be an elitist and read the fucking article. It's It's... We deserve whatever's coming. That's all I'm saying. Please don't reveal to the audience that I have my th th uh, thesaurus open and I'm referring to it. <laughs> well, no, there's cameras. They can see. <laughs> okay. Um, it, oh, it, it is part. It just occurred to me, so this might be silly, but is is part of it? There is there's a there's a subtle implication to this argument yeah. that Trump was kind of right to have wanted to bury the hatchet with the Russians when he came when in. He and, when he had the chance. And, and every time he made a move in that direction, every feint in that direction, uh, everybody accused him of being Tr Putin's puppet. Well, that's, that's a big yeah. component of it because one of the ways in which liberals and leftists were radicalized under the Trump years was on the assumption that he was colluding with Putin, right? That he was somehow abetting the rise of who they regarded as their chief geopolitical foe because Putin was more and more depicted during that period as this exporter of, like, white nationalism or right-wing insurrectionist philosophy. And if you recall, there was always theories going around about how he was um, you know, behind the scenes sort of orchestrating 
any kind of right-wing insurgent movement that popped up anywhere in Europe or in the U.S., whether it was France with Le Pen or uh, Brexit or uh, you know Trump. And so in the popular liberal conception, Putin was enemy number one, right? And that basically sh- caused a major shift in how liberals and Democrats view the issue of Russia. Yeah. Prior to Trump's term, you, uh, you would be more likely to have advocacy for some sort of detente or an improvement of relations amongst liberals and Democrats. But once Trump became so intimately associated with who they view as this nefarious global scourge, then that totally shifted. Um, and so you see that kind of informing the consensus today around the war in Ukraine, right? Um, because of that radicalization, because there's been such an animosity built up toward Putin on, on the idea that he installed Trump illicitly into power through this Manchurian candidate scheme. Perry believes all that, by the way. But go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can get into that if you want. But you know, because that's the prevailing theory, it then forecloses any possibility that there could be you know negotiations with Putin or maybe even concessions made to him in order this to avert, avert war. And then on the other hand, you have Republicans who you know there's a tiny uh, minority of Republicans. Republicans who have a different view where, you know, that's more reminiscent of Pat Buchanan or something where they're not kind of just diehard anti-Russia zealots. But by and large, if you look at the Republican Party, for example, in Congress, they're totally gung-ho on antagonizing Putin to the hilt and arming Ukraine as much as possible and maybe even going further with some kind of troop deployment or what have you. So you have this convergence of different sort of strains of ideology that have congealed into well, this I, totally intractable consensus. You know, I go on Tucker Carlson occasionally and make points uh-oh. that similar to this. You don't like Tucker Carlson. Well, I, I know. It's... Uh, Whatever your view of him, he does allow for an airing of, of opinions and perspectives that are evident virtually nowhere else in the media. So that, yes. that's why you don't see this perspective voiced. Number one, because people who, uh, who are in the media have to be hyper conscious of their reputations amongst their peers and colleagues, right? Mm. And if you're saying something that could be castigated as Russian disinformation or apologizing for Russia, that could have real cost for you professionally or socially. I'm fortunate where I'm in a position where, you know, I'm largely funded by my readers and stuff, so I'm not kind of always uh, walking on eggshells uh, worried about who I'm going to offend if I make certain of these points. But by and large, the rest of the media is, and they don't want to, you know, subject themselves to that kind of controversy. So the the right wingers to, to a large extent it it, it, it activates their um their like preternatural anti-soviet uh, yeah. memories right so that um so we, we'd said on this show um and we were not pro-trump although i wasn't i was uh, much less you, anti-trump you, than most people what have we said it or have you said no what's that have we said it or have you said it i said on the show yeah. that we the, don't talk about at the time people would bring this up like <laughs> how else can you explain trump's uh, trump has to be uh, in, uh you know controlled by putin how else can you explain his sympathy for putin and I said at the time, well, it's it's he takes every other Pat Buchanan position. Why wouldn't like it'd be out of character for him not to take this Pat Buchanan position? And I remember saying, but if you think the sanctions against like the Russians are never going to leave Crimea, I remember. So so sanctions until the Russians leave Crimea are sanctions till the end of time, mm. and sanctions till the end of time is dangerous for the world. Remember, he says this is a dangerous situation, I might have and it that. doesn't seem like we have any. <laughs> idea of how we expect this dangerous situation to end and that just is not impressive to me as a like geopolitical strategy and people would accuse me of defending trump like, well just tell me how these you know, like they're never leaving russia you don't they're never leaving crimea you don't think the russians are leaving crimea do you because of some sanctions no 
Well, then what do we do? The thing with Trump is that people fixated so unwaveringly on his rhetoric and the things that he would blurt out or tweet on a daily basis, right? And that informed how they perceived what he was doing. Yeah. And you know, on occasion, he, it's true that he would say something like, you know, when he when he was first got into office, he did the Super Bowl halftime interview with Bill O'Reilly, and Bill O'Reilly famously or infamously asked him, you know, is Putin a killer? And Trump sort of equivocated you and said, we you don't know, kill people, Bill? Yeah, you don't think we kill people? So you know, that was taken to be a defense of Putin. Okay, fair enough. It that was. statement was a departure for what, what most presidents would say about the leader of Russia. Uh, but on the other hand, if you look at the policy that the Trump administration actually implemented, it was much more hawkish on Russia than the Obama administration. Well, the problem Talking was they weren't, he wasn't tweeting that out, though. Well, like, he, it's, it's no, a he, matter of public perception. Like, if he's not putting that information out there and instead just they're letting him run fucking amok on a major social media platform... That's going to inform the opinion of everyone. Well, he, he, I mean, that information was out there, though, and he would occasionally talk about it, but it didn't comport with this narrative of collusion and conspiracy that somehow binded sure. Trump and Putin together. You know, if talking about Ukraine, one of the main grievances cited by Putin was that the U.S. and the West are, have been continuously arming Ukraine. And Obama refused to do that over the course of his term, and despite pressure from Hillary Clinton and others to go ahead with that. Trump did it. Trump did it because uh, Lindsey Graham and John McCain successfully lobbied him to start sending the weapons into I Ukraine. Think, so, think, you know, I think the difference is uh, if I could channel Trump, Trump is always looking for leverage for um, this might be giving him too much credit for some sort of deal that he wants to make. So he was more <laughs> hawkish with Russia. But I believe with the intention of creating a softening them up so that he could make a deal with Russia to end the hostility. This is his Kissinger view. Kissinger apparently went to speak to Trump in the, in the Oval yep. Office or maybe before. Kissinger viewed uh, that Ukraine should be some sort of buffer state between. Yep. So I mean, everything we know about Trump mm -hmm. indicates that he likely would like to have settled this with Russia on some terms that were... That well, he were, didn't do it, though, though no, actually. Yeah. You know, Sergey Lavrov, who's the Russian yeah. foreign minister, gave an interview uh, last month to Indian TV. How could he have done it with all the Russia scandal stuff going on? They would, <laughs> well, that's they the thing. Would, that's they another, would have hung him out to dry. Well, that's another component of it. Actually, whatever intent Trump may have had to improve relations with Russia was basically undermined by this domestic political pressure where he had to constantly demonstrate that he was not collusively in some sort of arrangement with... Uh, collusively in this arrangement with Putin. I want to read um, something to you here. Go yeah. ahead. So 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 just so I I am I am um interested in the Mearsheimer point of view and uh and I uh, but there's kind of reminds me of the Chris Rock thing like just because it Mearsheimer said this and then um Putin you know, 6 years later or 8 years later did invade doesn't mean Mearsheimer was right. Mearsheimer could have also been lucky, you know. It was a long time between 2014 and 2022, but during the run-up to this, here's my question. So I read somewhere, um, this is probably by a guy who you know his name. Is uh, Michael Kaufman, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. he's um, a Russia military analyst that was CNA, I think is the name of the think tank. So he wrote this before the in invasion, so you respond to it, and then we'll talk about things. It says, Moscow has not only been asking for things that it knows it cannot attain, this is talking about uh, Putin's demands, <clears throat> that it knows it cannot attain, but it has been doing so in a manner that will ensure that it could not attain them. Serious negotiations are usually done behind closed doors by publicizing its demands and refusing to unbundle them in a way that might achieve compromise, and I'll add, and wanting them in writing. 
Uh, Russia has made its diplomatic effort appear more performative than genuine. Do you think that's correct? Do you think that Putin, the, the die was already cast? I think there may be some truth to that. You know, Putin did put out that you know manifesto type statement on the history of Russia and Ukraine last summer. Where he went, you know, deep into the weeds of the history, you know, back to the beginnings of the Soviet Union and these, you know, long-standing ties between the countries that seem to provide something of an intellectual basis, at least by his lights, for a subsequent invasion. Um, but is it possible he already made up his mind that yeah, it, the trajectory of Ukraine, NATO or no NATO, is they want to be a European nation? They're trading with Europe. They're taking on Europe. Things are. Why would they want to be with us? There's only one way to settle this, and that's. And he probably assumed it would be like a week long war. We'll put our foot down, and that'll be the end of it. What's to lose? Well, I don't know what he assumed about the tactical progression of the war, but it is possible that it was a foregone conclusion that he would have invaded. On the other hand, you'd think it would be the imperative of the American government, it's especially the State Department, which is you know led by the Secretary of State, the chief diplomat of the country, to do everything in their power to avert. A war like this. Mm. And from the outset, you know, once this whole situation was lurching toward a potential uh, military kind of cl uh, climax, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, said there was zero possibility, it was not going to be on the table that the U.S. would revise its position on the NATO open door policy, meaning any country can theoretically try to get into NATO. On the other, while simultaneously he said that there was no realistic possibility that Ukraine would ever join, would be joining NATO in the near future. So why were they so dead set on maintaining that so-called open door policy of NATO if they could have just put it in writing and at least had a Maybe it was a long shot attempt, but an attempt nonetheless at averting the war. They didn't even bother I, I don't trying to they, do that. I they didn't engage they in any real diplomacy. I mean, and the thing about wanting the wanting the assurances in writing stemmed from Putin and a lot of people, you know, including in the West, uh, believing with a lot of justification that when um, Gorbachev was negotiating with the George H.W. Bush administration in the early 90s around the reunification of Germany that he was given this verbal yeah, assurance of not no. one inch. So there's a book, there's a book out about Eastward. that now, which kind of uh, disputes that, or you read that, I'm sure. The, I didn't read it, but I um, Surratt's book. Yeah, I mean, there, but, there's there's but, dispute but, over it, but the point is that they, whatever but, commitment might have been made, it wasn't put in writing. Hold on. So, so I would just say, and then let's move on to something else, um, that I understand why they can't, put it in writing just because he demands it. I mean, I would have thought that we can't just pull out of Afghanistan, you know, when when they when they tell us to go and leave everything like we did. But but if you had a choice between I would have I would have revising the open door policy of NATO or averting a war, wouldn't you prefer to avert the war? I would I would I would back channel like Kennedy did, say whatever I had to do, give assurances, whatever it is, but I would not allow the United States of America to submit to the threats of a guy on the world stage, we're not doing anything wrong. We have every right to, Ukraine has every right to their autonomy if they want, if they want to be in NATO, whatever it is. He can't, it, it's a very dangerous precedent, I think, to publicly say, okay, yes, Mr. Putin, we'll put it in writing for you. If Putin was serious, that was his beef, then behind closed doors, I believe, and everything I know about deals, when both parties want to make a deal, they do. And I feel, that's why this, quote that I read to you rang true to me. You don't do that publicly if that's if you really expect to get it. You do it quietly behind closed doors where Biden has the latitude. Like, by, remember Obama famously said, listen, after the election, uh, tell, tell Vladimir after the election, I'll have a lot more latitude to yeah. whatever that was about. Similar. Mike, yeah. You, yeah, you can't do it in public. So I'm going to I'm going to give Biden 
the credit for well, that. we don't really have any evidence at all that they've engaged in any back. No, we don't. Um, no, that, so that, why haven't they been doing that? You know, Henry that we Kissinger. That's be right. That yeah, story Henry, hasn't been written yet. Henry Kissinger, is almost ninety-nine years old, appeared at an event this past weekend. Do Kissinger, the Financial Dan. Times. Dan, um, yeah. do your Kissinger. I don't do. I'm not impressed. <laughs> anyway, Kissinger mm, appeared at this event, right? And he actually made an oblique, what seemed like an oblique criticism of the Biden administration for not engaging in really kind of any kind of thoroughgoing diplomacy in the yeah. run up to the war. Because Kissinger, apparently, even though he's 99 and barely sentient, still is of the belief that the war could have been potentially averted if there was a different approach taken yeah, you're by. You're saying that oh, Kissinger US government. is no longer lucid. I haven't noticed. I haven't seen him in a while. Well, that well he actually funny. is surprisingly lucid for his age. I'm sort of joking around because he's so incredibly. Old and looks like he could. He's like a decomposing corpse. But you know, I'm gonna he, bring he, he I'm gonna bring this up at the actual table tonight. <laughs> like, what do you guys think about the hopping? Was it the guy who wrote the Mearsheimer? Theory? What do you guys think about Mearsheimer's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> article? Like, oh, conversation as usual. <laughs> Let's get into it. Shall bring up some academic. So, uh, so, so don't articles. get me wrong. I'm not saying they handled it right. I'm saying that I I see why they didn't publicly submit to that demand. What what they did. Behind closed doors, might have been completely incompetent. I'm not. So let's talk about. Let's, well, so, first of all, no. You, you mentioned that this was the subject of a debate here at the Comedy Cellar. We should mention for those who don't know that the Comedy Cellar, in addition to being a comedy club, yeah. Noam likes to have debates because Noam has three rooms here. He's got the mm. no four rooms. Four rooms. So there's plenty of room for other shit <laughs> and experimental stuff that has nothing to do with comedy. You so should do. You should do one of these debates at the room in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming there weren't many laughs during that. No, well, no, no, probably, that the, debate probably, was not. probably not. But but do you have plans for another debate? I, yeah, I do. Well, what top topics? I, well, we're going to do something with um foreign. Is it foreign? Policy? See the foreign. I think it's foreign affairs magazine. I get foreign affairs and foreign policy confused. But we're going to do some stuff with them. Uh, co-branding debates on stuff. I love the debates. I was just the last one really kind of disappointed me because. Um, you want fireworks in a debate, you know. You don't want people. You don't want four people who agree with you. If I was involved, I would have brought a whoopee cushion. And yeah. then, and this guy, uh, Max Blumenthal, is that his name? Yeah. So apparently, he was supposed to. Apparently, he's a he's a, a controversial character. I yeah. I never heard of him. But I didn't care that he was a controversial character. That, that would have been well, was fun. he slated to? He was slated, and then, the and then without me knowing about it, he was. Um, uh, well, if he was there, it would have been fiery. If there would actually have been some dis- difference of opinion had yeah. he been there. So it's unfortunate that he. Well, was what what topics do you have? I mean, yeah, can we also do a whether the Holocaust happened or not? Was no, you're I not really going to do that. <laughs> I wanted. I, I to. know you actually wanted to do. That. I, I wanted to do. Why that. not between comedians? Why not let there be one with comedians debating? Yeah, we, we should. Well, if the comedians sure. are informed about a particular exactly, topic. that's what I'm like saying. for let example, people, let people sign up. Yeah, you know, if you wanted huh? the flank steak versus the strip steak. Then the comedians, <laughs> that or actual like like mate like you know if you have comedians who are like I would like to talk about the Henry Kissinger. Well, I'll ask you a question about opinion. comedy. Yeah, is it true that female comedians, particularly of color, don't get Uh-oh. a fair shake in the industry and in, in the clubs in the club circuit? I mean, I, 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 I don't think I can answer that because I'm not a <laughs> black. <laughs> woman. I'm just not. I'm just not a black female comedian. I don't know. Or, like, or, I mean, or brown, you know, Indians and Pakistani, that kind of thing. Why don't you ask them? I'm sure they'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I, well, I, Noam doesn't well, trust their opinion. No. <laughs> well, you have no. to ask the white guy that question. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll tell. So, so we were, uh, uh, well, we were accused of this, um, and it got me looking at it. But, but, um, and of course, it's not true here. But then, um, no, the cellar is very diverse. But yeah, but there's a. But these things are written by people who've never been here. Yeah. But um, I'll, I'll tell you where it. Wait, where me, it doesn't me, hurt is where, on the Tonight Show. 
Yeah. So, so Zarna, you know Zarna. Zarna so Garg. Zarna Garg. Now yeah. she is a she's a regular comedian down here, and she is destroying. I mean, she is lighting up the room, you know, and um, and the audience loves her, and she gets a lot of spots, and yet I see that she's actually not being used. Um, by her choice or by the club owners? Uh, by the club owners, as far as I can tell, she's not being used. You but did you ask her if she's tried to get onto other clubs? I don't, I don't want to disclose too much. We take, okay. take them, take You're them saying her. she's if, not If I'm booked. bringing it up, believe me, I, I wouldn't bring it up if I, if I sure. had reason to think otherwise. And I said to myself, you know what? I, you know, knowing when you have an act who destroys, right. you know, uh, and you see that they're not getting work uh, at the other clubs that normally someone who destroys on that level would you would yeah. think be getting, it no longer becomes tenable just to say, oh, this is just, this is just nonsense. I say, well, you know, what's going on here? Is it, is there something, yeah. I don't well, think it's, I don't think it's racism, but, but is there something in sense of uh, people of such different walks of life can't appreciate? I don't know. I don't know. Well, don't you know, know. You, you, of course, every club is different. Yeah. Uh, certainly some clubs might feel that, that, that uh, women of color are not their ideal uh, demographic for their audience. They might be racist, or they might just feel like it's it's not good for business. But let's look up at the stand. Let's look at who's coming. Uh, let's look at their 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 lineup and see if we can find evidence gonna, of what you're in trouble now. Dan Dan loves to really push <laughs> no. it one step too far. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. For example, let's, let's upset the stand. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Sean, you want to make a disclaimer that because you work there, say so nah, Dan's it, words have nothing to do with yours. It, well, it's also like that. I'm sure there are definitely. I know. I know there are clubs out there that you look at their lineup sometimes, and it's like, oh yeah, that's. 16, you know, white dudes in a row. And I know there are clubs that are the opposite. I know it's just, Here's it the is different. The, the main room, we have nope. Aaron Berg, Karen Fee, and this is May 9th in the main room at the stand. Tonight, yeah. Uh, I'm witnessing a drama Aaron Berg, <laughs> Aaron Berg, yeah. yeah, Canadian, so there's diversity there. there you go. Karen <laughs> Fian, she's a woman. Yeah. Sean Patton. A, a woman of color? No. Uh, she, Karen Fina no, is not a woman of color. She's, okay. she's Irish, I guess. Sean Patton, who's Cajun. Yeah, there you go. So Cajun, Cajun Irish. Ashley Heseltine, who is a white woman. Andrea mm. Jin, who I am assuming is Asian. I don't know. Uh, or married to an Asian I can't, The picture is very small. I had to enlarge the picture yeah. to get a true feeling for her ethnic. Yes, yeah, she's Asian. I enlarged the picture. She's Asian. How can you tell that? Because oh, go, I go, 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 go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Drew Dunn. Drew Dunn. Alex Pavone, who looks somewhat Hispanic. Bobby Tamburo, I guess Italian. Ari Shafir. Jew. Jew. Jack, Jew. Uh, Jack yeah. Frazzo and Justin Silver. Uh, so there's no women of color, but on, the, on May 10th, we have Ted Jones, white man. Andrew Ginsberg. Nico White, a black man. K Chanel Ali, who is a, a black woman. Emma Wilman, who is a woman of... Uh, a bisexual, uh, not bisexual. Uh, I, I believe I she's. I believe full on homosexual. Full on homosexual. Yeah. Yeah. Don't insult her. I mean, you also know, full on homosexual. I, I I'd be hard pressed to accuse them of shutting out women of color. I'm not accusing anybody. I'm asking the. I, I am asking I've, you guys the I've, question. Daphne May 10th in the indoors room. Daphne Springs is a woman of color. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, not Mark, accusing anybody. Yeah, no, but but you you're saying is it more difficult? I'm asking. Listen, th th this is a common. Yeah. Uh, uh, accusation we hear right. in the industry. Yeah. I have always uh, of course, been every skeptical club. of it. Yeah. And yet, now something has come across my 
you know, experience that, one, that, one person. that requires me to say, well, yeah. have you been, you know, I'm not saying it's true. It's like, well, it caused me to right, take right. A, a closer okay. look. It's like, well, what's going on here? Well, number one, it could be true. I, yeah. I don't know the yeah. people that book the stand, you yeah. know. Uh, I didn't say the stand. Yeah, you no, said the stand. <laughs> um, yeah, why did I get the stand in my head? Did you I wasn't, I was, you way off. Yeah, I don't read I don't, the backstory <laughs> of this uh, stand tension. Oh, that's oh. Um, and also, but. You know, she's relatively new. I mean, sometimes it takes a little while for word to filter down. Yeah, I mean, maybe. There's also, I mean, I, I know, I, I know yeah. of the of the majority of the bookers I deal with. Most of them seem pretty, pretty, pretty inclusive. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think, I, like, I don't, I don't, I, 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 and I see a lot of, but also that's a good point Dan's making. Like, it depends on what we're talking about here because there are so many fucking comedians in this city. Yeah. And in this country now, where sometimes it does just take a while. For people to become aware, there's so much out there. Like, and also like, killing almost isn't enough these days. It's well, it's crazy to say that, but like, it is. It's it's almost like you've got to consistently be so good at such a level for anyone to even pay attention. No, I think I think the clubs uh, generally undervalue killing. I think they that that's one of the that's one of the advantages sure. that we have is that we're very simplistic that way, um, and that the other clubs have uh, you know complex deep visions of comedy and the yeah. arts and how it should be whatever yeah. it is and they cast their show in their own image and blah 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 blah, blah. No, we, yeah. we don't really do that i think we should come to a consensus on the question of whether women of color comedians have a hard time in the industry just as a group of white people and then just go tell them what we've determined <laughs> uh, i think that will go over well i have a I question hope that they don't well, yeah. well i would I, also uh, say that on the road you know, it might be that 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 the funny bone in you know oh, whatever sure. city might feel that their demographic would prefer one kind of person or another kind of person, and 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 may, I don't think Zarna has much interest in going to the funny bone, but forget about Zarna. Why for a she's moment. actually been touring around all the country now? Has she? Yep. Well, I I think, but, but in any case, yeah. it might be that a club owner in Cincinnati, wherever, might feel that 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 their 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 customers are. Would be better served by. So I think Zarna's doing very well on the road, actually. She is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, she is. Um, I was just wondering if well, she's yeah, very universal, actually. Go ahead. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's part of the point is that it so, doesn't matter what you are, right? If you're. So you're saying you're skeptical about the the. Uh, well, there's always these types no, of like I'm the, not the, saying the Seinfeld that at all. will never go. He's too Jewy, you know. Like, there's always some yeah. conservative guy. In yeah. The, in no, the I'm not. I'm saying, saying the opposite of that. Then uh, my question is this: Do you know Mearsheimer? Do I know him personally? Yeah. No, I don't. Okay. I've been trying to get, get my claws into him what do you for want? a while now. I think he's in. He's been in high demand recently. Yeah, so he's probably somewhat. Yeah, but I've been working on for this show. He did. Andrew yeah, Sullivan's no, Noam podcast. really wants to talk. Yeah, but to him. I know. No, what Noam wants and what's good for the show is not necessarily the same. Okay, okay, okay. I think that. that <laughs> I think you know, that he would be better for Noam's Sunday show. I'm going to do a Sunday show with hot temp. So let's let me ask you this: How does how does it end? Nuclear. Co conflagration or like Planet of the Apes <laughs> well that we liberty on the beach you know <laughs> speaking of Mirsham we, we were more talking about his views about the lead up to the war but now that the war has been underway for two plus months he actually said something relatively chilling uh, just a few days ago on uh, PBS and I think this is accurate which is that the US is now in this policy orientation where it's kind of committed itself just by force of momentum to kind of ineluctably escalating the war every week there's something new that comes out that really crosses a new rubicon in terms of the scope of American 
military involvement. Last week, it was these leaks from senior officials in the government that Amer- uh, U.S. intelligence had been integral in killing the generals and sinking the warship. You had Biden going and proposing $33 billion to Congress to allocate for uh, Ukraine, which could you know get us invested now for a much longer period. Even just today, I don't know, I think might might even be, as we were just talking now, uh, Biden is signing into law a revival of the Lend-Lease Act. And Lend-Lease was this program that Franklin Delano Roosevelt pioneered in 1941 to send material and armaments and uh, other uh, provisions to uh, Great Britain before the U.S. formally entered World War II. So if we're now getting into a position where we're kind of preparing to mobilize uh, on the order of something at least akin to the last world war, you'd think it should pr- at least prompt a more wide debate about the implications and what are we talking about here in terms of what we're committing ourselves to. Um, but that debate really hasn't happened no, because there's, happen. there's such a huge stifling effect. Because if you articulate pretty much anything I articulate, I don't, know, I don't think I came across as particularly extreme or out of my mind. But if I were to say that, you know, in a public venue that's maybe less hospitable, I would automatically get maligned as pro-Putin. And, you know, I don't have pro- I probably wouldn't surprise you that a lot of people online uh, feel pro-Putin. no compunction is, about is telling Putin me exactly Is Putin dying that. of cancer? I heard that he's dying of cancer. And wh- is that the solution to the problem? Uh, I, I, I mean... I don't know. I don't, I, I don't have his cell phone number. Well, but that Periel told me he was dying. Again. I've heard that rumor. Uh, actually, the CIA director was asked about that this Saturday and just kind of brushed off the How questions. How much of this is a one-person issue? If Putin is gone, does the war end? Or is there somebody behind him that's going to carry the torch or the baton? Clearly, Maybe just, so. I mean, he's, yeah. you know, he's been in power for 22 years, so you oh, consolidate yeah. a lot of uh, sway over that time period. We, so we maybe that We have to send one of our mentally well, ills to go tackle it. <laughs> on Dylan Roof. Well, he's not, <laughs> well, it's like Zoolander. That's why you see a lot of politicians now, some more overtly than others, saying that the end game of U.S. policy now has to be the removal of Putin. So effectively regime change. I mean, Lindsey Graham yesterday was on Fox saying we have to take Putin out. And, you know, this isn't just about aiding Ukraine and helping them win and giving them defensive armaments or something. No, it's about... You know, striking Lindsey at the heart Graham of the Russian government. Else. Well, he didn't Lindsey Graham Trump's ass a, a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, Lindsey Graham said the Russians, one of you Russians, need to do the right thing and yeah. take out. No, yeah, he tweeted that. You know, where is the? He's made some sort of analogy to like ancient. But what, would that? Do you think that could solve the problem? Just the elimination of one man, is a one man issue here. Well, I mean. I think it's dangerous to be I mean, if we eliminate- cavalier about regime change in Russia, which, as you might know, has the world's largest nuclear arsenal. So, you know, who does that fall into the hands of if there's a sudden rupture in the power structure in Russia? I mean, we were fortunate when the Soviet Union dissolved that it didn't all go completely haywire, but that was kind of just an accident Listen, of history. it's quality over quantity with nukes. Everyone knows that, okay? <laughs> and it's, I mean, there's also always a possibility that someone more fervent than Putin takes power if he's uh, So you're saying, like, if we take out Noam, somebody that likes Zarna even more might give <laughs> yes. him the power. Well, I think, Perfect I, analogy. I think if he's assassinated and it looked like we were involved in the assassination, that might lead to the Russians, uh, you know, double downing and doubling down in some way. But um, if he were to die of natural causes, I think that would be good because the next guy could make some concessions without losing face. That would. I mean, who knows? I just, you know, from an American standpoint, you know, when Biden gave that speech in Warsaw, Poland at the end of March and at the climax of the speech, he basically 
made his own call for regime change in Russia, saying Putin must be must go. This man must that not was, be allowed to remain in power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was you know immediately quote unquote walked back by these administration officials who do this good cop bad cop routine where they say, oh no, you know, Uncle Joe didn't mean that exactly. Where, but you know. Biden was really only just articulating what U.S. policy had been geared toward at that point, which is to facilitate regime change in Russia. That's the point of the sanctions, which are about crashing the economy. That was the point of, you know, continuously escalating the grade of weaponry that we're sending. So, you know, at, at first, you know, warplanes were a step too far, but then we figured out a way to do it. Well, uh, we have, uh, you know, heavy artillery, tanks, etc. I mean, we'd be happy with regime change, but we'd also be happy with just a stalemate and Russia you know well but why should we be i mean does u.s imposed regime change tend to work out particularly well you know given recent history i mean why should we be happy go ahead go ahead is that a fitbit you're wearing so the fitbit do you find it valuable yeah it seems to be working sean imagine if i didn't i'd be you'd have to drag me up here okay so sean is going downstairs to do a set all right, I'm going around. I'm going around the corner, going and, then, the and then the stand, and then you're back the here. I'm going to carry you down the stairs. No, no, I'll be all right. <laughs> you're going to the but stand. I gotta go. I know, right? I gotta, <laughs> I'm gonna go tell him what you said. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going there, and then I'm coming back. So I'll I'll be all over. Yeah, well, the, yeah. I wish you hadn't started trouble with the stand because it wasn't. I didn't the stand. start trouble. I, well, I, I defended the stand. I said I don't see any evidence. Of, of wrongdoing. But nobody brought up the stand. I'm a buffer zone between you guys and the stand. <laughs> Somehow the what? stand got in my head. I don't know how. Uh, Sean Patton, his new special, what's it called? Number, number one. one. Number one. Number one. I, you uh, know what? Keep it simple. These, these, these comics, they have these, these names for their specials. They put too much thought into it. I say, keep it easy. Special number one. Number one, whatever you want to call it. There's, there's multitudes of The band Chicago named it. every album a number. Remember yeah. that? Chicago 1, Chicago 2, Chicago Sure, and it didn't yeah. seem to hurt sales. The no, point no. of the batter is very soon you can look forward to the special, whether on streaming, whether on YouTube, wherever it's going to be, It's we'll, we'll let you know at the time. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be worth seeing. Thank you so much for uh, having Sean me. Thank you so much for coming, Sean. Sean, I have to ask you honestly, yeah. did, you, did you enjoy the experience? Yes. It was a learning experience. I like listening and learning about... Guys, I don't know who are professors in the University of Chicago. <laughs> I'm going to read on this guy now. Okay, good. And I'm, I, I, I feel good stuff on YouTube too. When I yeah. invite somebody on the show, or when I ask Periel to yeah. invite somebody on the show, I feel responsible for their well-being. I, I like learning, uh, even though I'm not good at it. I like learning. It's a hobby. Yes. <laughs> You're good at it. Uh, I apologize if I bored you. But you didn't. No, no, no. Okay. Believe you me. I, I think you should be apologizing to Dan. Boredom's the exact opposite. <laughs> More of inflated my sense of anxiety. Okay. But that's okay. That's Do some of your Ukraine yeah. jokes tonight. Exactly, to yeah. Demonstrate what you've learned. No. This is only one of the yeah. two born, most important issues in the world. Right? Born, exactly, exactly. Born on the bayou. Yeah. Sean Patton. Thank you very Go much, ahead, everyone. Noam, thanks for having me. See you Dan, thanks thing. for having Thank me. Thank you, Sean. Nice to meet you. Yep. So. Um, Led Zeppelin uh, name its albums uh, by numbers as well, with the exception of maybe one or two. Physical Graffiti. Uh, Coda, so, so, Coda. No, no, some of them. Uh, some of them. Led Zeppelin two. I think Led Zeppelin two or three. Three was one and two and three and four. I think were numbers, but yeah, Physical Graffiti, yeah. Uh, Houses of the Holy, of the Holy yeah. and Coda. Presence. Was Coda, Coda Led Zeppelin? Coda was afterwards. I was like after John Bonham died, I think. Uh, like uh, Coda. Yes. So, uh, Presence and Into the Outdoor. In Through the Outdoor, that is correct. All of My Love was on that album, as was Fool in the Rain. That right. sounds well, pornographic. <laughs> so, uh, so, just to, so, oh, so, baby. so what, what were we saying right before uh, Sean left? We um, uh, um, Where are we headed, essentially? 
Biden. How it started, how it's well, going. I mean, they knew uh, the new. Uh, Biden, when he made. It, it was sort of this farcical thing that happened when Biden made that declaration during a formal speech in a foreign capital. Uh, calling for regime change in Russia, which oh, yes, it was has, immediately how's regime change been working out in recent history? Well, yeah, it was it was yeah. walked back. And Not say, well. We should be happy if there's regime change in Russia. And I said, well, are you so sure about that? I mean, name me an example of U.S. imposed regime change anywhere in the world that has turned out well. And this would be orders of magnitude beyond anything the U.S. has ever attempted before. Well, of, I you know, Russia say, is not like Libya. I would say in response to that that just as. The analogies that were made to defend Afghanistan and Iraq were made to, like, Japan and Germany in World War II to defend regime change at the time. It's probably not fair to compare Russia to Afghanistan or Iraq in terms of what you could expect it to turn out. Russia is not a minority population ruling over, you know, a, a, a majority population. Russia is not Afghanistan Russia has a, a culture which I think would be pretty stable within a certain, you know, plus or minus thing. That most likely, you don't know, you don't know, but but Putin's a bad dude. Well, sure. I mean, but yeah. I think the burden has got to be on the people who are proposing such a dramatic step. And so, if you are proposing that the U.S. attempt to facilitate regime change in the country with the world's lar- largest nuclear arsenal, again, the onus is on you to at least give some tentative explanation as to why that yeah. sounds like a wise well. Where I totally agree with you is that the stakes are much higher in, in, than they were in Iraq or Afghanistan. You're right. They have. They have. It's a whoever is going to take over has the ability on his, if he feels like it, to destroy the world. So yes. <laughs> you'd like to reduce the odds of that. The devil you know, that ulti- devil you know is, in this situation, much safer than the devil you don't know. The other I thing, get that. None of this sounds very promising. No. <laughs> Things work out. I think uh, <laughs> you sh- one ought to be extremely pessimistic about the state of things because, you know, the, the, the thing with the, the U.S. policymaking apparatus, I'd- particularly in the national security realm, is that it takes on a life of its own at a certain point. So once the ball gets rolling, it's hard to change course. And really, since the invasion was launched, the U.S. has been doing everything in its power to essentially escalate short of a direct intervention. And... There could easily be some incident where, you know, maybe Russia strikes a supply line into Poland or something, or um, there turns out to be special forces inside uh, Ukraine. There already been reported to be British special forces inside Ukraine, so maybe there are Americans as well that we don't know about That'd yet. Crazy. Maybe they get killed or abducted or something. You know, uh, World War One wasn't launched by countries who consciously set, or leaders who consciously set themselves, we want to start a world war. It was just sort of this kind of uh, Rube Goldberg machine where, you know, you end up in a spot. That it's kind of beyond your well, individual also, capacity I mean, if, if control. Ma- if uh, my knowledge of World War One is any good, which it's not, the but, Archduke uh, of Ferdinand. But but I think Archduke everybody Ferdinand. thought it would be. They, they were all sort of gung ho to, to accomplish what needed to be accomplished, and they thought it'd be over very quickly. Just like this. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's broadly right. Uh, and um, you know, uh, let's let's ask one last question. We have I have to go play my gig at nine o'clock. Okay. Uh, if you could install. In retrospect, one leader of the last 50 years uh, as president of the United States to handle this situation in the way that you think you could, you know, have the most confidence in. Who would that leader be? The last 50 years? Or, or you, you know, you can go any, to any time frame. But You're talking about presidents or... You know, president. Okay. Yeah. 
Although you can or change com- the question whoever, to or, come up with anything interesting you want to say. Or but, comedy yeah. club owner. Yeah. <laughs> can I, who owns a stand? Uh, I think it's a consortium. Seems, seems like a diplomatic <laughs> fellow. It's a consortium. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we can get them in like a brain trust and run uh, U.S. foreign policy. You know, it's. Um, I think uh, there's a mystique around John F. Kennedy that is exa- exaggerates his benevolence as a leader because he was a hardcore uh, Cold Warrior and he tried to you know, run to the right, if you want to put it that way, or uh, demonstrate that he was more hawkish than Nixon in 1960. That's how he got elected. But, you know, when push came to shove and the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, he, he did well. negotiate this backdoor deal where, you know, the U.S. agrees to take mich- uh, missiles out of Turkey and then the crisis diffuses. And that was pretty much the closest we got to worldwide nuclear annihilation prior to this current situation. So that seems like a probably a superior approach, not endorsing everything Kennedy did. Kennedy did, and he was much too hawkish for my taste, you know, with the invasion of Cuba and all that. Um, but um, at least on that narrow issue, he was willing to, you know, not just declare that a Khrushchev was a genocidal maniac and a war criminal, and we were going to take him out of power and put him on trial and stuff, basically foreclosing any possibility of negotiations. And that's what Biden has done with Putin. I mean, when you go out in public and say that he's doing genocide, and that we're going to try him in court and he can't stay in power, how are you then going to transition into some kind of negotiation just to bring about an end to the hostilities? You can't. And the U.S. must be party to those negotiations. I would just it say, can't just be a bilateral yeah, thing it, between Ukraine and Russia. Would you agree that um, the public's perception during the Cuban Missile Crisis of what was actually going on was not... Incomplete. Actually, was was not actually what was going on, and what we, what the public pronouncements that we see from the White House, there may be more to the story than that. There may be. Um, I would love to see evidence that there's more to the story, yeah. but you know, there's been reporting in the Washington Post that, for example, uh, Blinken had no communications with Lavrov, his counterpart in Russia, uh, you know, for the first uh, month or month and a half of the war. I mean, how could that be the case with the top diplomat of the country? It goes back to like, why was the water so po- you know, uh, poisoned? Maybe I'm using, messing up the metaphor. Uh, but wh- why wasn't it that there couldn't be any kind of fulsome negotiations between our countries at this point? Well, there's a lot of reasons for it, partially because you know, the well was poisoned by the, um, the Russiagate stuff under Trump. Um, and uh, you know, have a lot of hysteria coming out of you know these countries in Eastern Europe and the Baltics and such. Um, some of which seems histrionic to me. Maybe others, uh, other aspects of it are well founded, and that has a big influence on American policy vis-a-vis Europe. But whatever the reason, I mean, we're at a point now where we can't even like get the leaders to have a conversation. Uh, you know, Macron, the president of France, when he did at, at try to go talk to Putin, he was roundly mocked for even attempting to broker some kind of diplomatic accord. Um, and, you know, you know, we're, we're even at the point now, and I actually said this on uh, Tucker uh, last week, but it strikes me that, you know, everybody is now celebrating that Germany is remilitarizing. I mean, as if that's like a positive historical omen. I, I don't know that that really should bring a smile to our faces. I think that uh, indicates that we're going down a fairly dark path. I don't see any uh, way to change that path now. Do you believe there are Ukrainian bioweapons labs? Why believe that there are? American bioweapons labs in Ukraine. This is what Tucker Carlson irks me. It's like, he says this stuff and, and there's scant evidence of it. It could be true, but... Well, he, I first heard about the issue when Victoria Newland, who you mentioned before, yeah. testi- was testifying before the Senate but since and we've said heard, what she said. But we've heard since then, at least the party line, that they were, you know, they're trying to dispose of uh, 
previous bioweapon stuff. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's what the Pentagon says, but, you know, the Pentagon has, I'm sorry to break it to you, a long history of not being totally forthright Don't talk about, about my Pentagon. Does. All right, we have to go. We have to go. Okay, he, well... And then the anti-vax stuff bugs me, too. What, Michael Tracy, thank you. For I'm totally vaxxed, so you're all safe. The Alex Berenson stuff, that he, that he goes back again and again to Alex Berenson after Alex Berenson. And by the way, not that everything Alex Berenson said has ever been, is untrue. But I mean, if Alex Berenson had his way, nobody would be vaxxed. And this just doesn't fly. And the fact that Tucker doesn't um, re react to the fact that Berenson hasn't just hasn't been right. It, it just bugs me about that guy. But I, his show's interesting. I get he has people on like you that that do. It's hey, the only I game mean, in I'm town. Not, I'm not like, you don't uh, have to defend him. Yeah, I'm not uh, defending everything he's ever done. But, you know, when uh, a major... TV host no, allows for some semblance of a diversity of views about a massively complex. No, sir. Just issue. to be clear, I, yeah. I am not saying you shouldn't go on the show yeah, yeah. at all. And 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 good for Tucker Carlson that he does that. He's the only game in town to present certain views, which are basically blacklisted. There's no other way to put them. Yeah. Not, they're not necessarily views that I agree with, but I find it interesting to hear them, and it sharpens both sides when they have to answer each other. Yeah, that it, it real. It truly does. Like this, even this thing, you're seeing it with abortion now. Now that it's really looked like it's going to happen, so many people are learning for the first time civics. Oh, you mean when Roe versus Wade is, uh, if it's overruled, that doesn't mean abortion is illegal? Probably like 50% of the country thought that that was going to mean abortion was illegal. They're learning about the trimesters. They're learning so much simply because they have to deal with the issue now. And, um, Really yeah, you know, the, you know, I guess the last point, but the, the consensus on this issue is way more intractable than it Even ever abortion. was for Iraq. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Iraq, there was dissension around the decision to invade. You know, yeah. ultimately, the people who opposed the war were overridden. Yeah. But you had, you know, protests. Yes. You had some prominent Democrats speaking out about it. You had a handful of Republicans like a Ron Paul or a Pat Buchanan type. Yeah, you had people in pop culture who had an alternative view. So, you know, while they were kind of, um, you know, uh, ostracized in a way, at least they were able to air some dissenting opinion. Today, there's pretty much nothing. I mean, you're lucky if you can get two minutes on uh, one show. I, I, right? brought up, I brought up Sicknick, this cop. Another lesson that nobody's going to know about this, but we have to go, but you should Google it, is this, because it was a lesson to me early on, was uh, Scott Ritter. So Scott Ritter was the weapons yeah. inspector. So just so you know, Scott Ritter was this guy. He had, he had been a during early, uh, during the first Gulf War, he had been this guy who, like, you know, was... Uh, blowing the whistle on Saddam Hussein. And when the, during the run-up to the Second Gulf War, Scott Ritter, who was really a hero of the right up until then, said, listen, he has no weapons. Yep. And they destroyed his character. Yep. They said he's taking money. For, I mean, they just obliterated this poor man. And turned out afterwards, he was actually just telling the truth. Yep. He was just saying it like he saw it. it was, but they did everything they could to just slime him and ruin him and make him look like he was just a, a corrupt uh, guy who would, you know, sold out his country to take money from Saddam Hussein. Yeah. Just to give you a quick... And you have to bear things like that in mind. Just a quick example of yeah. <laughs> time, but, you know, Biden is signing this Lend-Lease Revival Bill today. Seems like a fairly momentous event, right? If we're going back to the scheme that we were using in World War II to fund the Allies... 
maybe there should be a wider debate about whether that's appropriate today. You would think so, but the Senate passed the revival of Lend-Lease unanimously. So everybody from Bernie Sanders to Rand Paul to Ted Cruz to Elizabeth Warren, everybody, they all affirmed this bill, and only 10 members of the House voted against it, and they were all Republicans. Doesn't hypocrites. that strike you as odd? I mean, why no, is there no is, debate on this, this subject? Politics. It's crazy. Because you know goddamn well that if it was a Republican president doing exactly the same thing, Sanders and Warren and all of them would find their inner socialists or their inner their inner I don't know that they would. I mean, maybe, but— Oh, yeah, absolutely. Think, There's no, they, just, not because it's right or wrong, because they would never take the side of, of the Republican president going to another, uh, you know— Making steps that could lead to another war, but Maybe anyway. Not, but either either way, it's uh, it's not a great. I have situation. to believe that behind closed doors, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are much closer to your view than. Uh, I don't think so. Lincoln's. I think they're true believers. No, maybe. All right. Anyways, a pleasure to meet you. Uh, you um, maybe come on the show again when. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And I uh, hope you thought where we, can we, we were an idiot. And I would, I would love to debate some pro-war stooges as well. If uh, I, I would like to get you included. On where can and, and people check out his Substack? Read you Substack. Yeah, mtracy.substack.com is the uh, URL for where I mainly publish. I publish elsewhere, uh, as you mentioned. Are you friends episode. with Taibi? Yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. On this show. Oh, has he? Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, he's uh, you know he's phenomenal. What a great um, writer. Yeah, I'm I'm not not quite at his level in terms of. Uh, subscribers yet on Substack, but I think he's like 20 years older than me, so maybe I'll get there. It's right. Well, so are we. Uh, um, Mike- you can also follow me on Twitter. I put other places, other stuff on Michael there. Tracy, thank you for joining us. Podcast at ComedyCellar.com. Let us know your thoughts. Dasvidanya. Dobrinoch. Slava Ukraini. Slava Ukraini.